Why, hello there, and welcome to another episode of The Great Day Podcast. I'm your host and friend, Mayor Kay, and I thank you for being here and listening to this podcast. Today's guest is Zelda from Zelda Wigs. She has incredible energy. The moment we walked into the salon and we started setting up for this podcast, like throughout the whole process, it, we were just bouncing off the walls. It was so much fun. I, I, it was hard for me not to talk to her because I wanted to save it all for this podcast. Anyways, she's incredible. She's a powerful leader. And we, throughout this podcast, we talk about stigmas. We are shining a light on them. And our shared hope is that a podcast like this one will bring less shame to the ideas talked about on here and open up much needed conversations all around. Well, have a listen and then let's talk. Thanks, Zelda, for sharing. And thank you all for listening. Good morning, Zelda. Good morning. We are here in your fantastic, beautiful, very warm and welcoming uh, store, storefront here in Crown Heights, Brooklyn, New York. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank yeah. you for coming. I'm so happy. I'm literally just, I'm excited just to be here because I've, I've walked by your store many times and you have like these massive frosted windows that just like block out anything that's happening inside. I was curious to know what's going on inside the store. So I had to like, you know, come up with this podcast idea to like check it out and see what's yeah. going on. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's, it's roomy. It's nice. And I, I like it that it's like chill. You know? Do you come out here and like chill, like you know, when you're not working, just like hang out, like have a girls' night out, like throw a karaoke night here? And, and <laughs> we never had a karaoke night, but we're here so often that I don't think that we come on purpose when we're not working because we're here all the time. We work at night, we work during the day, but it's a it's an environment because we're here so often that it feels like home. You know, it's like a homey. How long did it take you to like move from like mom and pop working out? Did you always have a store from when you started off? No. Yeah. Um, I started from home for two years. Um, I kind of made like a miniature version of this in one of the rooms in my apartment. Um, and I was there working out of there for two years. And then um, two years later, I opened this store and we have the store for four years now. Wow. Did you pay mom like rent like through wigs? Like just like supplying her with like shatels? Like, all right, today's, here's, today's month. Here's a wig. Here's a wig. Mom? Yeah. Do you, uh, did you, uh, did you, you don't live to mom. I don't know why you said you live to mother. <laughs> I'm a girl. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you are a mother. Yes, I am. I have and, three beautiful daughters. Oh my gosh. So how do you, how do you balance life, family, and, and this, like, you're an entrepreneur as well, yeah. running your own business? Honestly, it's definitely not, um, easy. It's not something that's like came to me like right away. Um, and it's something that I continuously struggle with. But what I, what works for me for the six years that I started this and, um, and have been doing this, what, what really works for me is that when I'm at work, I am fully engrossed in work. And when I'm at home, I try to be as much as possible fully engrossed at home. And I try not to give myself 50-50. I try to be 100% of my time what at whatever it is that I'm doing. And I think that that's what's been working for me um, really well so that I can really give my utmost effort and my utmost um, motivation and determination at what I'm doing. Um, so it's not easy sometimes because the two collide a lot of the times. But thank God... Um, I'm divorced. Uh, I have an ex-husband who is an amazing father. So we co-parent really well. Um, and it just works out. Thank God really well. We try to prioritize the kids and I try to, um, also put a lot of effort into my business. So yeah, it's amazing. I think we touched on a lot of interesting things, which I love to really unpackage, um, over, <laughs> over this podcast, but that's, that's, that's really amazing. But let's, let's take me back for a little bit. Cause I know like growing up, I have, I have a couple sisters myself. And, um, in conversation with a lot of young girls, like a lot of them always say like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And like, it always sort of goes down to like, I want to be a shaitan I want to create wigs and shaitos and stuff. 
Um, is that something that you were like, fantasized about as a kid? Like when you grew up, you wanted to do this or was this something that developed over time and how'd you fall into this line um, of work? Yeah, no, I never fantasized about being a hairstylist. And in fact, I'm not so talented with like art or, you know, like that creative aspect. I was looking for a wig for myself. I hated my, my wig experiences. I hated the wig that I had. I felt I looked so old and, um, not myself. So I really was just looking for a wig for myself. And, um, I, my parents are Russian, so I've been to Ukraine before. Um, and I know that that's where really good hair is sourced. Uh, so I kind of was just on a search of making my own wig for myself. And when I did, my mom, my aunt, um, my sister really loved it. And like, it kind of just, I saw like how excited it made them just as much as it made me. Like for the first time I felt myself again. I felt young. I felt my age. You created your own wig. You put it yeah. all together. You chose out to like, <laughs> chose out the hair, made the wig. Um, at the time, six years ago, a lot of the wigs were like, very layered, very full. Um, and I kind of went to like a very flat, natural, no layers, uh, something that really just resembled my hair. And um, when I realized that it's something that really was needed, just like as much as I wanted it, I decided to just go big and make it into a real business. And in general, the way I am is I didn't want to do anything. Like if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it completely. So I decided to get an investor. Um, I had this like grand brand idea to like give the woman an experience, not just, you know, not just a product, not just a wig, but because I knew how connected I was to the wig and how emotionally invested and how it really transformed my life when I felt good in my hair. Um, and I wanted to provide that for the women uh, in my community and outside my community, Orthodox women that needed this uh, just as much as I did. That's kind of where, where it came from. I mean, I feel like you're also, I mean, what challenges did you come across building your own brand? And I think you're entering a space that existed for so long. There are many women who are doing this already. Correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah. they've been doing this for so long and there's a certain style. So how do you think you came about to break into this market and, and sort of found your own niche? How did you find yourself, like how did, you, how did you rise above or build your own brand that was different from all the existing brands out there? So I think most of the existing brands at the time when I started was mostly older women and mothers would bring their daughters to buy wigs. And that's just kind of how it went for years. Um, and I was the first young woman to open my own brand. Um, not just the Shape Walker. There's a lot of young women that sell a lot of brands, but like the old brand owner. Um, and it became a space and a brand for where young women are bringing their mothers. You know, mm. it kind of totally changed the, the, the way people bought, brought wig, bought wigs. It wasn't like, Oh, I'm going with my mother to, you know, for this like archaic tradition that we always did with their styles and their like matronly, you know, looks, but it was more like a transformative um, way of, of buying wigs. Wow. That's, that's insane. So being that, I mean, you've really created like a trend and like, have you seen a lot of like other types of people coming now into the business, following your way of doing things, cutting, styling, the type of atmosphere that you bring to the to the, to yeah. the community? Yeah, it's definitely been a trend that there's definitely um, lots of wigs. I feel like every day there's another, you know, wig company that rises um, and it, it's definitely a booming, very competitive industry. And there's a lot, um, a lot of wigs that are being sold. You know, I think that, that that's amazing. There's a lot of heads that need to be covered. Yeah, I mean, it's good for business. Yeah, it's good for business. Business is booming. Yes, thank God. So why? What's like the emotional connection between women and wig? What's just for those people who are like listening? Yeah. For those who know, know. But for those who don't, like, what's what's this whole like? Why, why is it so crucial like, that we have you know Shaitel's wigs and what's that connection look like between? between so it's interesting. And, uh, I grew up very religious in Chabad. My parents are Balchuba. They became religious later on in life. And I grew up like through the whole system, very religious. And um, for me, when I 
I, it was something that I was waiting to do. I was anticipating. I was excited to do it because it meant like kind of like a coming of age, like I'm becoming, you know, married. I associated with romance and all the, you know, butterflies that come along with covering your hair. And it's something that I was expecting to do. And it, there was no part of me that was resistant to it. There was no part of me that even thought of it as a big deal. It was just kind of like the next step. Like you go to high school, you go to seminary, you get married. And part of that is putting on a wig. And only later on, when I'm having my own journey through the wig, wearing my divorce and me uncovering my hair, not wearing a wig and dealing with brides from this perspective, where I see every day uh, brides coming in, everyone has a different reaction. Everyone has a different journey towards the wig, but so many times brides break down and they have a real emotional um, epiphany or like a really hard time. When the wig goes on their head for, for the, the first, first time. time and they look in the mirror and they're like, wow, this is real. Like, this is like, that's it. Like, I'm going to wear a wig and I'm never going to be able to uncover my hair again. And for me, I never had that because it was kind of just like, I was just doing like, I was kind of checking off the boxes. I didn't actually consciously feel the emotion that was coming along with the wig. And once I realized what a connection it is, I think that it is heavy. And I think that it is a big deal. And I think it's a huge, beautiful mitzvah that people take on to do it. So I think there's a lot of emotions surrounding it, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, that's a, that's a really big decision, um, to, to make, right. From like going on, like built, like following this tradition for so yeah. long, wearing the wig and then having a divorce and then deciding, I know there's some people who continue wearing the yeah. wig and some don't. Was that, what did that process look for, look like for you, if you don't mind sharing? Like what, sure. yeah, like what? For me. And for um, someone, and if I may just go further, like for someone who's in the wig business, right? Right. right. So that contradiction, right. so yeah. what I mean, look like a contradiction, like you're not wearing the yeah, wig. For mm-hmm. sure. And it was definitely something that I had to think a lot about. And it was definitely not an easy Who's your rabbi? <laughs> it wasn't I want to know his numbers. Yeah. It's great. He's a great guy. Right. It wasn't an easy decision. Yeah. Um, but for me, it was more, um, uh, the, the issue was more because of the business. It wasn't a religious issue. Because for me, I always... Uh, putting on the wig when you're divorced is such a difficult thing because it's, it's, a, it's like a marriage item. You know, it's like imagine having to wear a wedding ring when you're not married. So for me, it was so difficult to put on a constant reminder that I am actually not married. I'm putting this on and I do not have a husband. And it was very difficult. I couldn't, um, I couldn't do it. And although there are rabbis that per- prohibit it, there's lots of rabbis that actually permit it. Um, so I just want to put that out there. Um, but also, um, but for me, I was like, even though I don't think that I have to do it according to the Torah, according to, because of my Jewish faith, because I'm divorced, there was a part of me that was like, this is going to be bad for business. Mm. Like, why? Like, how does this even make sense? I can't even promote my product. Um, but for me, and it's something that I'm very, very um, into, and it's just, that's how I live my life. I need to feel with every fiber of my being what I'm doing. I cannot be fake and I cannot do something just for money. I can't, like, I... You know, or else I, I will resent it. I will escape from it. And I knew that in order for me to continue to have the passion that I have for my business and for the women that I get to meet, I have to be myself. I have to be 100% myself all the time. So that was a decision. And although it was hard, I think it was the best thing that I did because people like authenticity, you know? And Sure. But I mean, besides, also, I mean, people, I mean, you yourself, I mean, you said yourself, I know for myself, like I have to live in an authentic place. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just, I mean, for some time I, I didn't. And when I call myself, like, what's going on? And why do I feel weird and strange right. doing certain things, certain actions? That weirdness, um, I have to really have to, I have to make change in my life. And, you know, right. it's just, and I think once you reveal that part of yourself, it, it gives space for other people to step into it. Yes, exactly. Right. Which I actually love about your brand. It seems like, you know, just, I mean, you're, 
more than just someone who has a you know business and, and a mother. And, but like I, what I love about you as well is you're a big advocate for just being yourself, identity. Um, it seems like you, someone through social media, you, you don't just share stuff like, oh, today I'm in the office, like, you right. know, creating this perm. Is that right? Right. Perm? Is that right? Perm? You're creating this style. <laughs> oh. I'm trying to throw some wig language here. Trying to, you know, get on your language. Perm. Like a perm, right? A verb, a verb, a bum. Uh, okay. Yeah, that... I thought you said perm. Perm. I thought you perm. said perm. Perm. Wigs and perm, that too. We talked about perms. <laughs> but no, I think it's it's more than just like wigs and, yeah. and business. You also like reveal a lot about yourself. Yeah. Do you think, I mean, you're, is there a line that you're stepping over? Like, do you, do you, do you think you should be sticking to business or, I mean, or is, the, or people love to know more about you? Who's the person behind, right. you know, the wigs? So I, when, when I feel inspired, when I feel like I learned something, uh, first of all, I'm a big advocate of therapy and I'm, I'm, I'm constantly in therapy and I constantly believe that my, my life's work, if it's anything, it's just to improve myself, improve my character, improve the relationship, relationships I have with everybody in my life. And, um, that's really, I feel like that seeps into every part of our life in business and in, in Judaism and, you know, in every, every aspect of our life. And I think that a hundred percent, um, if I can, um, inspire women that have been in my situation or are in my current situation, um, it's, it, it feels so good when, when, when I, when I'm able to share it and I see how it affects them, you know, but more than that, honestly, it, it affects me so much when I'm able to, I love writing. Um, so when I feel something, I don't write all the time, but when I'm inspired and I feel like something made sense to me and something clicks and I share it, it it's so therapeutic for me. And, and having that help others is, is incredible. So would you think that you give that the reason why, because it seems like Zelda here, um, there's like a lot of other business out there, but it seems like with you, you're sort of like a celebrity in a sense. Like you, you, you know, people stop you, they recognize you, they, they admire you, your role model. Do you think it's because that you show so much about yourself? You, you share a lot of who you are and your beliefs and, and what, what's going on in your life? Uh, probably. Yeah. I guess because we, you know, we show ourselves on social media, social media. So people recognize you just from social media. Um, although I do feel like I probably should even show more. Like I don't show a lot and I always like struggle with like, how much should I show? How much should I not show? I, I try to just it's be a hard like, balance. Yeah. It's a yeah, hard it's balance. A, it's, yeah. So I mean, if I hire like a social media person, then I feel like I, I'd show more. It's just hard to actually live your life and show, you know, constantly. What's going on? Yeah. But, um, but for me, it's like I, in general, and I always had this, I had this struggle a lot is where do I fit in in terms of like, my religious journey, being in a religious business, um, dealing with women that are mostly Orthodox, how do I fit in and be authentic? Because I am not, like I grew up, like I said, very religious. I had a period of time where I wasn't religious at all. And still managing this business and being authentic kind of seems like a very big oxymoron. Um, and I feel like as I become much more in tune with myself, in, in tune with who I am as a person, where I'm heading, I'm able to really be 100% myself all the time. So whether it's in business and being modest and associating with everyone that's religious um, and being authentic to myself, I'm able to, I'm able to balance that when, um, as long as I'm being real, you know, constantly just being real, checking in with myself and being like, does this fit in with, with, with who I am, with what I believe in? Um, and as long as the, as the answer is yes, then, then that's what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, cause this is like a really, I mean, a lot of this, it seems like is, is seeped within the culture and religion and, and practice. So how did that, how did religion or your belief in God, how does that shifted and how, from your growing up yeah. in, in the Orthodox home that you did to, to it is now? How, how's that relationship with your higher power look like? So I, uh, like I said, grew up very religious. 
Um, and my parents are Balchuba, so I feel like they had to overcompensate a lot um, because, you know, like, you're familiar with Chabad, but, you know, growing up, for the people that don't know, like, growing up and everyone is comes from, like, most people come from, like, generations of religious people. And because they didn't know a lot, you know, they're Russian immigrants, they didn't know a lot when we were young, um, we had to do everything to the utmost. Mm. Um, and for me, I grew, as I was growing, I didn't really process it. I was just, you know, kind of going with the flow. And then when I got divorced and throughout my whole marriage, I was completely religious and loved it, you know, just kind of went with the flow of things. But I was not in tune with really with what's going just on. Robotic. It was just robotic. It was very robotic. It wasn't the conscious decision making. But not in a sad way, just yeah, very robotic. Just what you were doing. Yes, exactly. And then when I got divorced and I had time, first of all, because of co-parenting with my ex-husband. And now for the first time, I don't have my kids all the time. And I had a lot of time to think. Also, again, I, I started therapy at that time. And I was just doing a lot of exploring, thinking, um, and realizing that I had so much resentment towards religion. That's what I thought at the time, that like all this like pressure to be a certain way and how we look and not really caring about what we're actually feeling, just as long as it looks a certain way, put a lot of, I had a lot of anger towards it. And the more I processed it and the more I realized that actually my issue is not with religion. My issue is with the way religious people, certain religious people gave me that information controlled me or made me do certain things but religion and Hashem and the higher power and God is actually in its purity is beautiful and it's a great asset and it's it, it it has the tools to give us a beautiful meaningful life as long as we're actually using them in its pure sense not from our own baggage not from our own lens of insecurity or confusion you know where a lot of people at the end of the day are not self-aware um even though they may not be malicious they may have pure intentions but they may just be limited in their self-awareness so when these people were the ones in power controlling students controlling girls um and you know not being sensitive with, with how they were responding to certain rebellious acts or, you know, which are very normal when you're growing up and become, you know, through teenagehood. Yeah. Um, but when I realized that holding on to that resentment because of certain people's lens, um, and baggage, um, was actually, they're still controlling me. Right. And that, that if I look and start from zero, because again, at this point I wasn't religious and I start, I'm like, let me go back to zero. Let me, Start my relationship with Hashem from a pure place, from a place where it doesn't belong to any of these people. That's where, that's where I, that's where I came towards an understanding of this is beautiful. And this is actually an amazing way, um, to build my relationships with my children, with my ex-husband, with my friends, with my parents, with my clients. And, and that's kind of where, where, where it went, where, where it came to. So when it comes to like adulting and motherhood and stuff, you grew up in a certain way in a certain community, but it seems like you're carving out your own way, your own path. Yeah. So how how do you go about doing that? How do you go like is there like people that you lean on that you're getting advice from? Do you just do what feels right? How do you navigate yourself in this in this new space? Um so that's interesting. So definitely when I started to question and I, I was in this I would say pretty low place when I was in that like angry stage, um I I didn't have a lot. I no, not that I didn't have a lot of people to lean on. That's not what I wanted to say. I'm saying like I was met with a lot of resistance from my my family, from people that loved me, and they were confused, like what is going on, what's happening, and that was the first time in my life that I really had to be like choosing me for the first time because my whole life, again, like I was really 
the perfect Chabad girl. I went, What's that look like? It looks What's like... What's a perfect Chabad girl look like? Where can I find her? Yeah. <laughs> perfect Chabad girl looked like basically doing everything you're supposed to do. You go to school. I got top grades. I, I graduated with honors. I went to Chitrick Seminary. What? Yeah. Chitrick Seminary, for those who don't know, is like... It's top. It's, it's not top. It's top. Not. It's, it's, top. Not. it's wow. the elite. For sure. For sure. So... I mean, of course, any girl who's listening and doing any of the seminary, that's also great as well, you know? Yes. Yes. No, and actually what, what I, mean, I learned okay. what I learned was that Hitchrick was actually absolutely not the best for me. Mm. You know, and that's another thing. Like everyone always says, you have to be the best so that you marry the best guy. There is no best that's guy. Mean, there is right. no best anything. Everything is so personal and so tailor-made to you. Uh, but that's not at all like the, the kind of mindset I had growing up at all. Um, so I was chasing, you know, the best and I was very competitive. I still am. And I was just, I had to get everywhere the first and get, get the best. Um, and I learned the hard way that that's actually not the way it works in the world at all. So who I leaned on the most, well, I must say my very best friend, Rachel Cohen. Um, she's someone that I learned from all the time. Um, she's been in therapy herself and she's always uh, a big advocate for, for learning and growing. And she really opened my eyes to so much of this world. Um, so really it was her and, and my friends that I leaned on. Um, and then through the process of becoming, and again, it's like a journey, it's a life's journey. It's never going to end. But through that process of me becoming more into myself, my parents and my family really understood, you know, and they, then they've really become, they've become a support as well. So. Yeah, it's big. I mean, like I know like with myself for a big chunk of my life or my adult life, I mean, also, I guess growing up, I just subconsciously didn't realize it at the time. Like, I, I want to control my my outcome, you know, yeah. like doing certain things for certain outcomes. And sometimes it would happen or I will remember the times that it did happen. So I would work harder in my effort to get the same outcome. And when the outcome didn't come out the way I wanted it to, just like, like, all it'll just all break loose and I'll just right. lose myself and just try to like catch up. Um, and realizing that like, you just got to show up and, and just be in touch with oneself, with myself and just keep on working on, on my way of being. So I'm also a big advocate for therapy and to be in touch. I mean, I go to therapy. Um, and it's, and it's been an amazing journey of self discovery and be able to just learn more about myself. And I'm able to show up more in life and, and to make decisions that I decide to make right. and really choose once again. So I, I definitely relate to a lot of, of, of how relationship with, with God, with, um, with lifestyle. And, and it's, it's not always easy because within a community where it's, um, it's a certain way of living and being, you know, sometimes swimming against the current right. could be very frightening, right. you know, um, you don't know what's, what's on the other side of it. Um, but at the same time, um, I also figured like, I didn't, there's not much resentment there either with the community. I think a lot of times growing up when I was just younger, there was a lot of confusion of how I felt. So right. I would put blame exactly. on, let's say teachers or right. education or other people. And then, um, and that's working through self is just like taking ownership and responsibility, right. realizing that, you know, parents are doing the best of the kids right. at, the, at the time and only adore and, and respect my parents, you know, right. and um, realizing that also within education is a lot that I, I did gain through, through the system, which I went through. So it's, um, and this realizing, okay, where can I just grow? Where are my character defects? Where can I work myself on and continue moving forward? But uh, one thing that I, I mean, and you brought up multiple times is like divorce. Um, I'm, I'm single. I, I, I haven't gone through any like long-term serious relationship. So, um, but one thing I, for me is getting into a relationship and to be very honest is, is I've always had this fear of divorce. Right. You know, I've always had this fear of like, even though it's, which is crazy, got my right. relationship to get divorced right. in. Um, but, um, right. oh, so scary. lonely. I have no, no, but I, um, but there is, there's like this fear. And I think it's also, there's, there's, 
ideology around it, how like divorce is very, it's a lot stigmatized. It's, yeah. it's a lot of pressure around it. Yeah. Um, that, you know, once you get married and God willing, that's the, the one that you, you marry will be the one for your life. But there's, I feel like a lot of stigma, a lot of fear around that amongst other people as well. So when you went through this stage in your life, um, a leading up to it, um, and then decided to do so, um, what, yeah, what did that look like? And, um, and, uh, and now like for me, like this, my, my biggest nightmare starts to happened. Okay. How'd you, how'd you right. get through that? Yeah. So interesting. So first of all, I definitely agree that divorce is very stigmatized, but a lot less now than it was, uh, even six years ago, Yeah. you know? Um, but <laughs> I said six years ago. What's <laughs> 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 divorced to <laughs> So before it all, you know, yeah, just, you know, conversations with divorce. Oh, okay. yeah. No, but uh, this is your this is a plan. You're planning. Yeah. <laughs> no, but actually, because my older sister is also divorced, okay. And she, when she got divorced, it was crazy stigmatized. This was like nine years ago. So um, I think with what do you time, think changed? Yeah, what, what, over time, yeah. So what I think with time, um, as uh, even as an Orthodox community, we're becoming much more progressive um, with our self awareness, with our ideas of the world, with becoming much more in tune with ourselves. Um, and I have this idea, uh, this theory that. Our parents and that generation prior was very in survival mode. Every, you know, they were, they were scraping for money, for food. Um, it was post war. No one was focusing on what they were feeling emotionally. Now we're in a very, um, like a world of Shefa, you know, a lot of abundance. And when there's a lot of abundance, then people start getting depressed and there's a lot of, um, unresolved issues. And that's when we're starting to really be trying to focus inwards. Need more like, time to feel, feel. Yeah, to feel and be like, yes, exactly. And pursue passions and pursue, um, you know, interests. Um, I think that when there's a lot more time to focus inwards, um, and, um, try to make the life that we have, um, as best as we can, um, we, we put a lot more pressure on ourselves to really be the best that we could. So we focus on our relationships that we have with everybody around us. Obviously the one, you know, with our husband is, is the most important. Um, so I think that because I grew up so insulated and, um, I got married at 19, I was a child. I had no idea, you know, anything about the world around me really, other than, you know, my little square. And, um, with time, I realized that we just were not a fit. We weren't a fit. He's a really incredible dad. Um, and we co-parent really well, but we just were not a fit. And uh, when we decided to part ways, it was hard. A part of me felt like a failure. I failed at my marriage. I failed uh, my children. Um, it was hard. It was hard also for the unknown. You know, jumping into the unknown is really scary. And everything that we had, even though it wasn't good, it was comfortable because it was stable. It was consistent. Um, so jumping into the divorce was definitely something that we put a lot of thought into. Um, but we both decided that, that it was absolutely the right thing to do. Um, and my therapist always says that coming, you know, when, because as a parent, the, the one thing that you're concerned about is the children. And she always says, uh, being from a broken home, um, is much better than being in a broken home. You know what I mean? Like you left a broken home, but you're not in a broken home. Living anymore. In it and yes. It. And, and I see that a hundred percent. So even though divorce is scary, when you're able to prioritize um, and put your children first and put all the drama behind uh, with your ex-husband, you're really able to give your children something that they never had before. Because if you're in a bad marriage, they see a lot of fighting. They see a lot of hostility. They see a lot of animosity. And that's not something healthy for children. 
So being able to pursue your happiness and for him to pursue his happiness and for children to be in those homes um, is something, it's a gift. You're giving your child a gift. So, so it was scary, but it was the best decision. Is there a strong um, community of support and like divorces that, you know, there's, there's talk, there's camaraderie, there's, there's connection. Um, so um, there's definitely like, I think once I became divorced, I've divorced. Um, I've, I've uh, become friends with a lot of divorced, you know, like-minded uh, people. So definitely there's a lot of, I feel like divorce is on the rise, sad to say, but I, that is kind of like how I feel. What and, do you think that is? Um, I think that that people are not okay with being mistreated. People are not okay with, with being with someone that doesn't um, provide what they need f- to have a beautiful life. You know, um, you mentioned uh, about when you were, you know, trying to find your place and, you know, you were met with confusion also a little bit. Um, I found that also with me, while I was confused and while I was still trying to find my place in this religious world, in my business world as a parent, while I was in that searching mode, that's when I was met with a lot of resistance from everyone around me, like worry and shame and guilt and all of that. But Specifically it's, around the divorce time? Um Right after the divorce time, right after the divorce time. And right when I realized that I have to find my path on my own and that this is a journey between myself and I, and that it doesn't matter what anyone is going to guilt me and shame me. And it was hard. Mm -hmm. It wasn't easy. And it's something that I was, and still to this day, sometimes um, have anxiety around. Um, And I think that's also something important that I want to mention as well. But while I was in that confusion state, everybody's bad word, bad comment, shame, guilt, um, affected me so much. Uh, but then as, as I became stronger internally, um, not only did they not affect me, I felt like those, those bad comments and shame and guilt just disappeared. Yeah. Um, yeah, I relate to that. Um, cause when I, when I do not know myself, I don't have a confidence in myself, my own decision-making, I find myself being confused because I'm just trying to latch onto people's opinions or what they have to say. And it affects me what negatively or not, but like, it just like, it confuses me even more. Right. I think in a way, like <clears throat> when I know what I want or what I'm going for, people, A, stop, you know, stop jumping in. Or if they do, it's like, I know what I'm doing. I'm focused. But also they stop jumping in because whether it's parents or friends or, or it's like, okay, he's he's on his journey. He knows what's up. He's going for it. I think it's in the in the confusion. And when we, we don't know, like I know it's like my parents, they, they want what's best for us. Right. Right? They want best for, what's for me. So like, okay, they'll revert to what they know or revert to what right. worked for them. But even within that, and there's many times which they know a lot about us, also we're not them and, right. and we're living in different times. So we just have to like take in and, and yes, I, I work on listening to mentors, listening to people who have gone through experience or wise, wiser than I. Uh, but then I, I take that and process that within myself and then make the decision and stand, and, and stand by it. Exactly. And, this, and, and like with parents, um, 100%, they didn't live our life um, and they had their own experiences. And um, in terms of coming back to our emotions um, and our childhood and processing through um, different traumas or triggering things, it's not about blaming parents. It's not about saying, oh, you were wrong. It's it's truly knowing with the conscious decision, knowing that they did the best they could. But still, that doesn't negate the fact that certain things trigger us, certain things traumatize us. Yeah. And it's holding both concepts of loving them unconditionally, knowing that they have our back, but they are not us. And just because we are born to them doesn't give them the power. It doesn't mean we have to take away the reins from our own life, you know, and, and blending the two of really respecting them, but also respecting ourselves is I think my life's work, you know? Mm. Yeah. hundred percent. Amen to that. 
Um, do you get a lot of um, people calling you about The Legend of Zelda? So, no, I wouldn't yeah. say that we get a lot of, no, but sometimes people mistakenly tag us on Instagram. Like they're, they're wearing like some costume wig mm. um, and they'll tag Zelda instead of The Legend of Zelda. Yeah, because when you, when you type in Zelda, like you pop up, actually you're pretty up there, but also like a lot of Zelda stuff. Zelda, yeah. A lot of stuff from Comic-Con. A lot of hardcore fans. A lot of, yeah, like, uh, like just like cosplay dressers, you know, yeah. com- like dressing up. So what is what are some of the fun aspects that you have with with the job? Do you um do you do you reach out when it comes to around like you know Halloween or Purim? Like do people reach out to you know for wigs for different types of parties, or is it mostly the Orthodox community that come here to shop? Um, so we do. It's majority uh you know religious women that wear the wigs. Uh, but we get a lot of bloggers that either want want a wig for a specific event or Halloween or Purim. Uh, we also get a lot of. I'm a vlogger. Um, I mean, yeah, I'm you, a, you also. You, I can rock you out a wig. Try on a wig. I can rock out a wig. You should. You can. Yeah, I should. Rock. should. What, 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 what do you think? I mean, what what kind of shade and color would would work for would me? Would work for you. Yeah. Um, I got hazel eyes. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, I, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of bored of this brown here. I'm, I'm looking to change it up. Like, I always like to stick to the natural. Okay, so okay, you know hey, you do you. You do you. I mean, you do me, but <laughs> you you do in my way. In your way. Um, I'd say like we'd go with like a deep roof. You want to try one out? Yeah, let's do it. Let's make it happen. Yeah, for sure. Is there a certain blessing? Says when you put on no, the no, you don't say a blessing. Okay. Actually, I feel like there's like people, there's there's like this myth around um, wigs that need a, a hexer. Like a lot of times, oh, people like reach the, out to me, yeah, um, and they want to sell me wigs, and they're like, "Oh, it's a Jewish wig. It has." Well, is that maybe because they're getting confused with like the Indi- with the year from India? Right, I guess. But is that even a thing? Well, I heard two things about that. One yeah. was like, I mean, uh, one was I think they heard about India was that it was. Um, Avoid the Zara, right. they were using it, for, using it for, for like different like rituals that weren't holy. Yeah. But then I also heard that it was just a, 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 a scandal of some sort that I think they some didn't rabbis didn't want natural, natural hair. hair. Because and, the truth is, but, no matter where your hair is sourced, yeah. and mine is sourced from Russia and Ukraine, Ukraine there yeah. is no absolute 100% sure check uh-huh. that you know that the hair wasn't used for Avoid the Zara because you have no idea where the girl is most of her life. Like right. there's no way to check. To know that. Interesting. Yeah. So, so I definitely think it was. Uh, well, your hair, just for the record, is mostly is it's it, only Russian, Russian, um, nat- Ukrainian hair, virgin, real hair, real virgin, non process. This was um, on someone's head. This was on someone's head, and this, this is, is how it's it not dries. synthetic. This is not not synthetic. A hundred percent Natasha. This is Natasha. This is Natasha. Natasha. That's all I know. That's you know. This this is enough words a teenage boy would know when he spent in Russia. So so this is the one you would say. This is the one I would suggest for you. Okay. So is there a proper way? Yeah. So the best way is to. This is how I would do it. Just go like that. And just like plop it on. Okay, just plop. I mean, I used to have long hair down to my shoulder. Yeah, I remember so that. This is actually quite. I may this, break down. This you, is emotional. Yeah, this may be emotional. I, I missed my hair. I feel like a piece of part of me was cut off. Wow. And it has so a, you understand? And it hasn't grown back. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so you would understand the emotional connection. Oh, truly? Yeah, yeah. I mean, when I did it, it was time. I grew up my hair for four years. And I, I eventually actually donated to High Life Fund uh, oh, for kids who are. Yeah, they they collect here for kids who are going through cancer. So that was so it was right. It was four and a half years, but that was it was it was uh, it was it was emotional. Right, it was emotional. Um, but let's this this is okay, a lot of fun. Here, here we go. Here goes nothing. Do you goes, need to keep us the question because this is a covering? It's a good question, but yeah. I think go the extra letter of the law. So the more exactly. Here we go. Oh. All right, the cap already feels very natural to my. Okay. Can we do this in slow motion, guys. Slow motion. Wow. Hello. Mm. 
This oh. actually suits you. You look like Jesus. <laughs> I get that all the time. Jesus, Jesus. Yeah. Yes, I am back. Wow, you actually really look like that. I think you're going to get an acting gig now to play oh, Jesus. Oh, my. This is, this is it, guys. All right. So, uh, nailing it right now. Wow. Yeah, would you say this is... This totally... Yeah? Treat, yeah. Like, man bought it? Or, like, keep it, keep it we low? We could, but, but we'll have How to it is right it. now? Right now. Oh, my now, gosh. I got to... Wow. What's up, Mr. Rose? What do you think? Oh, I look good. This, right? Oh, it wow. actually blends with your hairline. Wow, you listen, you're good at what you this do. Blends with your I want to go blonde. You're like, mayor, no, stay natural. Yeah. You know, and I like it has a. Whoa! Wow! Do the rappers have anything against men wearing I wonder, That's a good question. Yeah, because, I mean, it's women's clothing, so right. that could be an issue. But there's, I'm, there's bringing that, back, I'm taking the shade back. Last week, a man ran in the store yeah. with flip flops and a coat. And he's like, Do you have man wigs? He looked like he was on an emergency Wow. For a bad way. I want to meet this man. That is yeah. incredible. We should have stopped him and asked his story. Like, what's the story? It was so weird. He's like, touch and go. <laughs> he just came in. Wigs out. <laughs> that was so funny. Yeah. I'm doing the rest of this but interview in, in the wig. If I do a man wig, yeah. you're going to be the model for it. Wow. Thank you. You heard it here, guys. If you know. Her the next first year. Zelda wigs, a male um, edition. Man yeah. edition. I'll be the one. Yeah, we got to yeah. take a, a quick selfie in this one. This is, this is great. Mm. Yummy. It looks really good. Yeah, I want to do the rest of the podcast in the, in the wig. Yeah. Um, We'd have to give it a little cut, you know, framing to your face, but it's it's a good piece to work with. Yeah, I mean, was, wasn't there also like a whole, like, I feel like the, the evolution of, of mom. <laughs> Sir, now? <laughs> She's always calling to check out mommy. Yeah. It's Talk. my grandmother. We've done five minutes. My grandmother is the one that calls me multiple times a day. Oh, does she? My grandmother, yeah. Oh my gosh. She's proud of you of like what you've created, she, what you've done. She's proud, yeah, but she's just a typical Russian Jewish grandmother. Which like, means I hear what? about she coming with borscht during the day? Like what's yeah. she... yes? Oh. Uh borscht, um money. She's always throwing money at me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> which grandma? I, my grandma does not do that to me. What's what she you thinks pick up I'm as... starving all the time. Oh yeah, sure. She, but the one thing she asks me is, Hi, how are you doing? Do you have a husband yet? She's very worried for of me. Of course. So. Listen, I'm 29, single as well. So like, you know. So that's the question. They, they're always asking. Yeah. Um, which is which has always been a, an interesting journey, realizing that, you know, I'm whole complete, you know. <laughs> exactly. And, and I'm you know, creating a space where someone could join me yeah. or I could join them. Two complete people. Coming together. It's the best. Yeah. Because yeah. there was like the element of growing up and realizing like, or being told like, you know, you only have until, I mean, right. in a spiritual sense, which right. maybe spiritually right. I do agree there's a lot of growth that takes place once you find that right partner in life. Right. And at the same time, right. I think in the same breath, it's important to say that you are great and you're whole as a person. Right. And you need um, someone that will embrace your journey and yeah. be there for you to heal together. Because I think that we're always on a, on a journey of healing. Yes. But what someone said about halves that I love is that they actually said that you first have to marry yourself. Your feminine and masculine mm-hmm. side inside of you have to marry each other. And that's how you become complete. Because we all have different sides to us. This you is know? me tapping into my feminine side. Yes, exactly. Yeah. This is, this there is you it. go. Yeah, I just feel like I'm like really like... The, 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 what's the clips? The clips? No, the clips under the, the, the cap, the, the cap feels, yeah, yeah very feels natural. natural. Feels good. Yeah. We actually, most women actually say that, that, that the Zelda wig is the most natural and, uh, comfortable. Yeah. It's comfortable. Like they wear, Rahul jumps in. We were in Capri. She jumped into the water with it. She wears it with the wig. With the wig. What? And then it just had like beach waves, um, natural beach waves. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was amazing. Wow. That, that is amazing. But that's literally, yeah. 
when I when I had my three babies, I delivered my three babies in my wig. In your wig, yeah. That's that's a great advertisement yeah. for Zelda wigs right yeah. there. So comfortable. <laughs> you deliver <laughs> them exactly. You wow. You're wearing it. Yeah. I mean, that's what they have to say and give you credit to is that you're an incredible marketer when it comes to your business. Like you're an entrepreneur. Um, I think this is age we're definitely seeing a lot more. You know, power and all the power to the women who are stepping into their own businesses. I think until now traditionally men, breadwinners, yeah. and the women stay home have the babies. But I think it's really great, and I'm seeing this a lot more often. But you're definitely a person who's really running with you know running into this uh, head on. Who've built it, your own business um, and 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 built your name and and and, and kudos to you. Thank you. Yeah, Thank bless you. you with it's that. interesting actually. When I started, when I would go to Ukraine, everyone in the wig business were only men. In the wig business. Wow. So there's a lot of women in the front that's women. You Is know? it weird that I'm a man getting having talking about wigs? No, so I'm so used to yeah. like men being in the industry. Yeah. Um, in Ukraine, you know, buying the hair, selling the hair. Um, it's all men. Um, Jewish religious men. Wow. And then they sell it, and then the women are the ones usually here styling it, selling it. Um, so I was the only one actually sure. buying it. Yeah. Wow, that's yeah. we're getting to end. I mean, and, and yeah. to grow from actually just selling wigs, you just how you started off. Yeah. And you eventually grew into actually now shaping them and coloring them. You have yeah. Felix. Is Felix here? We <laughs> work. He's a freelance. The freelance. Oh, he's special. We'll call Felix in for this. To work, yes, to work I actually magic. think. Fe- yeah, this needs Felix as such. No, but the truth is, we yeah. have Lisette and Faya who are amazing. Amazing. Uh, but for you, because you're a man, I will get Felix. Oh, thanks. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I'm down. For, you know, I'm open to anything, but <laughs> I just, I really, you know, I. I I get Felix's vibe. He's a really, yeah, he's, you know, he's a talent. And every great leader has a has a capability, and it's a big power to choose the right team, and you right. really build yourself an incredible yeah, it's team. It's really about the team. Yeah. So, what do you see the future of, of Zelda Woods? Where do you think that's going? Uh, the future is really popping up in every city. A man's um, line, of course. Uh, yes, okay, yeah. exactly. That we could talk about, but uh, for now, it's really popping up in every city um, that we have anybody that needs a wig that they hear of Zelda and that they're that we're going to be there. Um, I love travel, so I love that I get to. Um, embrace that side of me um, and kind of blend the two my passion for business and travel um, so we're we're heading out wow yeah that's amazing wow we go to LA tomorrow to, really yeah. tomorrow yeah you get I me mean, you're you're known for your pop-ups yeah uh, always uh, around <laughs> town just pop-up sales I'm always seeing that oh, pop-up shops is really great yeah. and um and just a maybe just a quick advice to, to young women out there who you know, perhaps we're brought up or have a mentality like, oh, you know, like, you know, I can't, you know, start my own business or it's not my place right. to do so. What would you say for someone who's been, who's done it, who's stepped out of the comfort zone and who successfully uh, created your own business? What, you, what kind of advice would you have to share? With them? Um, I would say that if they have something that they really want to pursue, um, they should <clears throat> do everything that they can uh, to learn about it, to research about it, to um, network around it and really gain and expand their knowledge around that particular industry and then just run with it. Don't let anything, any thought, any um, you know worry stop you because if you're 100% your eye on the target, you're going to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, you just cannot allow doubt or any kind of um, issue uh, blur your, your, your direction. Mm-hmm. I think that's the key. That's amazing. Zelda, thank you so much for having me thank and you hosting for me in your beautiful shop and sharing your story and your passion. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, more of the Zelda brand everywhere I go. Thank you. Thank you so I'm much. Take this was great. Please Things do. Oh. And please tag us. Oh, duh. <laughs> thank you so much. How are you? Thank you. Of course. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Thank you, Zelda, for your vulnerability and for your sharing on this episode. And friends, 
Love to hear your thoughts about what we talked about. Hit me up on the comments. Reach out to me on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, where it not. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. Um, and stay tuned for the upcoming episodes. And if you haven't yet, go back. Check out some of the uh, guests that we have. Really, really interesting, inspiring folk from around the country, from around the world who are doing incredible things, talking about awesome and interesting and deep conversations and topics that, uh, you know, just elevating small talk here. That's what we do on the Great Day Podcast. So until then, let's keep making this world a brighter place, keep showing up as delight, and I want to wish you a great day.